it, it's possible to grieve. Paul makes this distinction, distinction to the Thessalonians. Um, the, the world grieves without hope. Right. He says, as Christians, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. So we, he doesn't say we don't grieve. He Period. says we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Right. With no, having no hope in God is a hopeless place to be. And so your grieving is, is completely different. And so the distinction then is, is in our own hearts. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Gruen. I'm joined this week with Ryan Chase, and we're just a couple pastors at Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls, and, and it's a joy to, to to be here and to chat over these things. And um, yeah, so this week, we're going to jump back into our rhythm of uh, kind of addressing or looking at some of our listener suggestions or listener questions. Um, we have had quite a few, especially recently. And so we just, re- I recognize there was kind of a backlog <laughs> building up. So I wanted to I get to some of these. <laughs> yeah, go through and just see. And because there are some really good questions, which is meaningful. I mean, we, yeah. you know, the whole point of this podcast, like we said from the beginning, is just to serve the people of Emmaus Road Church in particular. If other people happen to listen and they're edified, that's great. That's right. That's not our, our target. Um, but these questions are meaningful to us, just knowing that these come from people within our church. These are the things people are thinking about, wrestling with, wondering about. Yeah. There are at least three people that listen to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. Excellent. So this was just such a well-worded question. I think one that uh, really is, I think, addresses a need in all of us. Um, so here, here is the question. I'll, I'll just read it in full. It says this, Scripture mentions complaining slash grumbling as a sin against God, for example, the Israelites in Exodus, but also complaining as a faith-filled crying out to God in our troubles. Reference Psalm 142, the book of Job, Lamentations. Can you discuss the difference between the two? What a question. What a question. Yeah. yeah. That's phenomenal. And I think right off the bat, I think in even who, what the listener's asking and as we kind of walk through that, I think what's needed off the front are some distinctions, maybe some mm-hmm. definitions and distinctions. Um, and so Ryan, <laughs> help us in this. What are, maybe just help us make some of those distinctions and yeah. definitions between Complaining, sinful complaining, uh, a faith-filled, that's such a well, well said, faith-filled crying out to God. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, maybe just to even read a couple of those passages referred to there. Psalm 142, uh, the, the first two verses, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Uh, it goes on, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path mm. where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. And so then David goes into, here's my trouble. He's mm. pouring that out to the Lord. But there's that word complaint, which does have the initial connotation probably for us in English is, well, complaining is a, that's a problem. Like complaining, whining, fussing, grumbling. Right. And we see sinful grumbling like this listener uh, mentioned. Psalm 102 is a, 
psalm of lament that I've often recommended to people in counseling, people who are going through hard things. Uh, we've made this point before, a third of the psalms are laments. Mm. So 50 out of 150 psalms are psalms of lament. They are pouring out prayers, cries uh, that express grief and suffering and agony before the Lord. Psalm 102, in the inspired title, you know, you, you've got a, a heading or a title oftentimes that the Bible translators just kind of put in that gives you a summary of what's to come. So in the ESV, that one put in by the translators, this is not scripture, not by David, not inspired by the spirit, but the ESV translators put in, do not hide your face from me as kind of a heading for Psalm 102. But then under that, before we get to verse one, there is, this This is part of the text of scripture itself. It says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint hmm. before the Lord. So somebody who's afflicted and faint, feeling weak and weary in that affliction, and what is he doing? He is pouring out his complaint before the Lord. So it's, it's anonymous. It doesn't say it's, you know, Psalm of David it doesn't give us the title. It just the author is one who's afflicted, who is very faint and pouring out his complaint before the Lord. Is that sin? Is it wrong to pour out your complaint before mm. the Lord? So, um, yeah, like you were saying, I, I think just some initial distinctions d- defining the word. This has been a, a fruitful study for me just to look at what, what does the, the Hebrew word behind that word translated complaint mean. And, um, it, it seems to be, it kind of has two parts to it. One, it's, it's describing, according to one author, it describes the sound of the expression of the internal struggle Mm. and the depth of emotional conflict that's going on in terms of groaning and, and murmuring. So it's talking about that sound that somebody's making when they're in agony. Um, and the Bible has to that point, the Bible has different characters who can produce that, right? Yeah. People can do that. Uh, was it Romans eight? The, the earth can do that, yep, that the, moaning the, and, yep, and grumbling. Yep. Um, even God himself has complaint against mm. Israel in, in some instances. So we're talking about the, the verb, if you will, the action of it. Yeah. Well, that's, that can ca- have different subjects who carry that. Yes. So keep going. Yeah. So, so that sound of it, it it's the sound that we make verbally, audibly, physically, that is expressing the agony and turmoil and affliction going on in our soul, Mm. which again, scripture just, it it never separates these two things. It it always ties them together that we are holistic beings, body and soul. And the the condition of our hearts is often expressed outwardly. So that's part of the definition. Um, This author says, second, it describes the verbal expression of a complaint arising from some aspect of life, ranging from prayer to dissatisfaction with life. So there might be sounds, but then there's kind of a a verbal expression Mm. as well, um, explaining the situation, lamenting the situation. So that's what it means. Um, And then that helps us put our finger on um, the distinction between complaining sinfully and complaining by faith. Yes. Um, so I, I think, you know, t- I'll just try to flesh that out a little bit more. <laughs> I, I think the distinction really then is um, whether or not that is coming from a place of faith right. or unbelief. Right. It's possible to be dissatisfied with life because you're not trusting God. You're not trusting that God is good, that he's wise, that he's sovereign over everything. Right. And, 
And so then any expression of dissatisfaction is an expression of unbelief. And that's what we see with the sinful grumbling and complaining of the Israelites in the desert. They're asking questions, but they're not asking questions from a place of faith. They're saying things like, did you just bring us out here into the wilderness to kill us? So, So they are accusing God. You are not good. You are not for us. You are trying to make us miserable. In fact, you're trying to murder us yeah. in the and, desert. And the complaint, the actual, what they're asking for is somewhat legitimate, right? They're asking, we can't food, find any water. water. There is no food. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> there's no food. There's no water. There's nothing out here. And so the complaint itself, that's a, not to downplay the reality of maybe the desperation of this scenario, yeah. but like you're saying, sources and uh, the place in the heart where this comes from matters. Yeah. Um, and what they're coming to is not turning to God and saying, hey, here's our situation. We know you are good and powerful and sovereign. We just actually just saw you remove us from Egypt. Right. <laughs> Instead of looking back and then looking forward with faith, they just say, what have you done to us? They doubt his goodness. They right. doubt his mercy. They doubt him in general. And, yeah. and that is, that's another yeah, that, category. That's, that's a distinction. That's sinful and the Bible, And I think the listener is right. The Bible kind of sets that that up as the paradigmatic version of sinful complaint. Yeah. That those three wilderness um, that we just preached through, uh, back through the uh, end of 15 and through 17 yeah. in Exodus, shows three different scenarios of the Israelites. And it's a progression. It starts mm-hmm. with just a few, a small mm-hmm. company. And then by the time you get to the manna from heaven, the whole congregation of the nation of Israel as big as you can get all 3 million people are fed up with this yeah. and it comes out in really as it comes out in all of us in really nasty ways yeah yeah so that is a sinful expression of dissatisfaction mm. discontentment because the dissatisfaction itself is unbelief right they are not trusting god we know it's unbelief because God has made promises to them already communicated through Moses about what he's going to do. He's going to deliver them. He's going to bring them into this promised land. He's going to pour out blessings on them that are just going to overwhelm them with God's goodness. They are not at all thinking about where God is taking them. They start looking backwards Mm. to their oppression and slavery in Egypt. And suddenly like that looks appealing to them. And they start saying, you know, dumb things like, it would have been so much better if we were still in Egypt where at least we had, you know, cucumbers and melons and leeks to eat. And <laughs> like, they're, they're totally forgetting the oppression of all of that. So that's possibly a, a dissatisfaction in life that comes from a unbelief in God, not trusting his, his goodness. And then, um, expressing that sinfully complaining against God. Yeah. And in that, in that story of the, and in particular in Exodus, 16 Moses when he addresses the people he says when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him what are we Moses says about him and Aaron your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord yeah so that's it. it it matters it, just complaining to somebody in position yeah. about your situation um, th- that is still grumbling against the Lord because yeah. he is the ultimate Moses is trying to communicate to the people he's really in charge here. Yeah. And so when you grumble against your situation in life and your, your station in life and the circumstances among uh, amongst that have come upon you, you're not grumbling against or towards the people that might've afflicted those things on you or your situ- situation and circumstances. Ultimately all roads lead back to God. And this is right. kind of recently we've talked about God's sovereign purposes in all things, including our suffering. Yeah. When we complain in a, cause what it is, is, is doubting God's goodness. Yeah. I- 
Can I just jump in and yeah, say, absolutely. I, I think that preposition is really helpful. They grumbled against God yes, rather than complaining to God. And I think that that distinction is helpful. Mm. They, they are opposed to God because they are in unbelief thinking that God is opposed to them. They're not believing he's, he's good and he's, he's for them. Rather than like what we see in Psalm 102, th- this is the prayer of somebody who's afflicted. Yeah. He's actually going through really hard things in life. He's yeah, don't downplay totally faint that. And, and weary. And he's pouring out his complaint to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He, he is going to God with his agony, his affliction, his yeah. suffering, and he's giving it to God because what he's after is more faith. Yes. He, he is He is expressing faith just by going to God with that. Yeah. And he's asking God to help him in that. Yeah. And he's looking to God for grace to endure that. And, and that's, that's very different. So the complaining against versus complaining to. Yeah. And what that is really is, Against implies enmity, right? Mm -hmm. And and where do we see the beginning of all enmity was in Genesis chapter three, where the serpent comes along and says, begins to introduce categories of confusion and ultimately doubt in God's goodness to the woman by asking questions like, did God really say blah, 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 blah. And in the cursing in Genesis 3.15, the very thing that God promises that he will do is put enmity between Mm -hmm. the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, Mm -hmm. and ultimately between... God's people and not God's people. Right. And that is going to be a uh, a remaining category for all people yeah. is this, this temptation towards enmity with God. That's right. He is against me, so I am against him. And, and that, that, that key distinction of the preposition of going, uh, complaining and bringing my complaint against God versus complaining to God totally changes which seed you're from, the seed of the woman, of coming to God by faith, or the seed of the serpent. That that that's helpful to me in, in thinking what is sin and what's not sin. Yeah. Not that the com- notice the complaint might be the same as far as what the the nature of it or the yeah. but just if I were to complain in just in sinful categories and if I complain in non-sinful categories, I think the actual expression would change. It, yeah, yeah. I, I think if you ask if you start with something like, well, is it wrong to be sad and to express that sadness? Is it wrong to cry and mourn and grieve and to do that audibly and, you know, physically with our bodies? Um, well, there's not enough information there. No, no, it's not wrong to be sad. It's not wrong to grieve things that are grievous in the world. Um, but how we express that matters. And when it's cut, so the, the root, the, the distinction is in our hearts. When our hearts are not trusting in God, then like scripture says, anything that does not come from faith is sin. Um, it, it's possible to grieve. Paul makes this distinction, distinction to the Thessalonians. Um, the, the world grieves without hope. Right. He says, as Christians, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. So we, he doesn't say we don't grieve. He Period. says we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Right. With no, having no hope in God is a hopeless place to be. And so your grieving is, is completely different. And so the distinction then is, is in our own hearts. So yes, to that, you know, that observation, there seems to be be a difference in scripture between a kind of complaining that is an expression of faith and a kind of complaining and grumbling that is an expression of unbelief. Mm. And the distinction isn't necessarily in the fact that I'm crying audibly or the circumstances, yeah, the circumstances are, are hard or not hard but in my heart orientation to it. Yeah. It reminds me of a, an illustration that Ted Tripp uses in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, when he, he says, um, the, there are external influences, and he's talking about 
our children, but this is just true for all of us. We all face external influences. And he says, think of that, like the wind that's blowing and you can't do anything about that. Um, where is that wind going to drive you? Where is it going to blow you? Mm. If you're like a sailboat and he says, the wind direction is something you can't do anything about. But if you're (coughs) sailing in a sailboat and I don't know a whole lot about this, but, um, (laughs) hold fast. uh, Apparently you can trim the sails in the sailboat, set, you know, the angle of the sails in the boat Mm. so that the boat actually moves in a different direction than the direction that the wind itself is blowing. And and so he says that the way you trim the sails, that's the orientation of your heart toward God in that moment. So the circumstances are what they are. They might be adverse circumstances. They might be devastating. You know, there might be suffering in your life. The key distinction is not which way the wind is blowing, but which way is your heart oriented toward God in yeah. that moment? That will determine the trajectory of your life. Yeah, that's really good. It, I mean, the doldrums were the sailor's worst nightmare, right? The no wind, no nothing, just dead still. Can't go anywhere, can't do anything. It, it's actually one of the most dangerous situations at sea, right? Yeah. Was there's no movement. And without movement, there's no life. Yeah. There's there's no fishing. There's no you know going out. There, there's going to get to a port for safety if there's... The doldrums were scary. Yeah. Um, so that change is also like, well, I wish I had no hard circumstances. Well, right. don't expect movement, right? The, this is how God in his providence, and we talked about this in the past uh, when we talk about providence of how did Joseph go from being some, you know, yeah, favorite child of a, of a small family in the middle of nowhere to the second in command in Egypt yeah. and by whom and through whom he saved the whole world from famine. Well, how did he get there? Through a whole bunch of suffering, right? Mm-hmm. And God, and Joseph recognizes, I'm sure in the midst of his time, as he walked from Palestine to Egypt, as he was in that pit, as he was wrongly convicted and thrown in, in jail, as he, all those hard circumstances, he interpreted those guys' dreams and then completely for, forgotten about. I'm sure in those moments, he had questions and confusion right. and, and, and possibly you know, probably sinful anger towards God. Why have you done this to me mm. now? Um, but Moses makes clear in Genesis 50, the, the, the answer for Joseph at the end of his life was, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. All of this has been for my good. And that, that really has to be a core, unshakable, unmovable uh, conviction yeah. buried deep in our souls of all of this, is for my good. That that's doesn't right. mean I understand it. That doesn't mean I fully get it. I mean, that's what that third of the Psalms is really pouring out exactly. about, right? They, and, this, and modeling for us and inviting us into exactly how to express lament. To right. God. Psalm 102 is not mutterings of just the, the groaning, like noises. It yep. is liturgical. It is well-written. It is, yep. they are words to God. Starts where you're at, how you feel, yes. what you're going through looks to God. Yes. Recites, rehearses, preaches to yourself, truth about God. And those are made likely out of confusion or pain or desperation. But those complaints represent, this one author says, these complaints represent honest attempts by God's people to engage and further their trust in God. That, that makes all the difference is when I engage to God or with God, rather than against God, what I'm after is more of him, right. not easy, not necessarily easier circumstances, yeah. but more faith, more trusting That's right. in him. And it reminds me of, of how Paul talks in Romans chapter four of Abraham. Remember Abraham, who was just 
a pagan moon worshiper, and then all of a sudden hears a voice that says, "All right, Abraham, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make these great promises to you, and go that way, and I'll tell you when to stop." <laughs> and he gets there, and Romans four, Paul recounts these this walking of Abraham, this this, and he says, "No, uh, no way." Oh, I should I'm gonna screw mm. it up. I'm gonna pull it up. Hold no on. No unbelief made yeah. him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew stronger in faith. <laughs> Thank you. This is why I have you. This is why I have an encyclopedia right here. I don't need. I've got Logos and I've got Ryan. I, with, with those two things, I'm set. But we could boil that definition of faith down yes. to a unwavering conviction mm. that God will do all that He said He right. will do. And, and the unwavering is a key category because I think we were talking about this before. Oftentimes, in our modern society, our modern evangelicalism, yeah. doubt is actually a, 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 a sign of true faith. Right. If you the, Watch out for that. There's a huge push even in you know American evangelicalism that, that wants to redefine faith as doubt. Mm. Essentially, you know, faith means doubt. Faith means not knowing. Right. Faith means not being sure. Right. When scripture actually defines it the opposite way, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do right. not see. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, I was, when I was in college, the... The go-to was, and I went to a non-denominational school, so this is like evangelicalism par excellence. The, the it's all about real yeah. faith, authentic faith. We're so tired of people in your your stuffy. Yeah. Everything's fine. No, we're really so we're gonna be we're gonna swear and we're gonna do we're gonna that that's how you know there's real faith. Yeah, and to that I think that's just that's not the biblical account. No, that's that's not Abraham's account. That's right. not any of the these hall of faiths. That doesn't mean they didn't complain, yeah. right? It doesn't mean they didn't go through hard things, but their authentic faith was proved by their faith in yeah. God. Yeah, and and the way you engage your faith in the middle of hard things is by turning to God mm. and praying to God and crying to God. And, and it's okay in those moments to describe the reality of what you're going through. Yeah. I, I just preached re- recently on... Um, the sixth commandment against murder. And I, in that made a distinction of, you know, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. I I think you could say the same thing of like, when, when you suffer, suffer and do not sin. Hmm. Um, so like anger, the uh, two distinctions I would make for people to filter through this, as you just observe your own heart, when you go through afflictions, um, first one is, is this actually, um, suffering Hmm. according to, God's word. Like we live in a fallen world. Sin is a reality. We lament those things. So where there's sin, we grieve that. Death is, scripture says, an enemy. Yeah. We, we have hope as Christians because Christ has been raised from the dead, but that doesn't mean that death is this great friend of ours no. that we make peace with. Death is an enemy that Christ has conquered and defeated. So we have hope in Christ, but death is an enemy. So we grieve and lament death. And so there are realities in a fallen world that life is hard. Mm. James one says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. And and I think where people can go off is like, well, he says, count it all joy, pure joy. Right. But he's also honest. He's not saying, oh, you're not going through hard things. You don't have any trials in your life. You, You don't face trials of various kinds. It's just joy. Just smile and fake it and pretend like everything's great. Some people take the count it pure joy as like, well, the way then to please God is I have to just pretend like life is awesome and I don't face any hard things in life. But he's honest. When you go through trials, it's okay to say 
this is a trial. This is mm. a hard thing. When Paul says in Philippians 4, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, he's not saying, oh, all of life for me is just sunshine and roses. No, yeah. he's saying sometimes life is plenty and sometimes it's starvation for me. And I can be honest about the reality of those circumstances and I've learned the secret of being content in everything and the secret is I can do all of these circumstances through Christ who strengthens me. So he engages his faith yeah. in the midst of the trial by looking to God, being honest about the hard thing that he's going through, pouring out his heart to God, telling God how hard it is mm. and saying, but I trust you. I'm trusting in your promises. I'm, I'm holding on to that. So I think one distinction there is is what I'm going through actually, you know, according to God's word, is this, am I suffering an affliction that's the result of life in a fallen world? Scripture's honest about those things. And and the reason that's helpful is because sometimes we do just need to buck up. Like yeah. sometimes <laughs> we can just get kind of in a mopey attitude and yeah. we're just grumbling and complaining about things that we should just stop and realize, I don't have anything to be complaining about here. I should probably just stop and thank God and right. be grateful, count these blessings as cheesy as that sounds and, and give God thanks and praise for what I'm going through and realize this is not, actually <laughs> or it's of my own making affliction right. in my own sin yeah that, that's yeah. often wow why is life so terrible right now well why have you made those choices have you not you know yeah. take steps towards so there are multiple categories of complaint but i think what you're talking about is the honest realities of a fallen world yes that is and i think one before we sign off here i think one key category in in cultivating this type of uh of, of complaint if you will or to, to the remedy towards faith-filled walking with God is to, to really immerse ourselves as we often do in gospel community. Yeah. That is a means by which God has given us to, that you are not walking alone. Right. You are not on this path alone. There are people around us who are also going through hard things. And every time somebody goes through a hard circumstance, it's an opportunity, as that author said, to engage and further our trust in God mm -hmm. and to do that with each other. So if I'm going through a hard thing, Ryan, you can counsel me and walk with me. And and again, if, if faith is an unwavering conviction in the promises of God, yeah. in the midst of a hard circumstances, a hard circumstance, often the first thing that's jettisoned is my mind's capability to trust in a promise yeah. of God. So a sweet way to do that is, Ryan, you 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 remind me of the promises of God. Right. You walk through them, through this thing with me, knowing I'm with you, I'm walking right next to you. That is invaluable. And it's what we love so much about the church. Yeah. What we love so much about our church is that we, gospel community is not just a slogan that we like to talk about right. or, but it actually is functional in our lives. That's right. that, and, it, and when that, when all these start to come together, I realize I would not want to do this with anybody else. I wouldn't want to go through hard circumstances without mm. my gospel community, without the church without the body of Christ yeah, and all sweet. of its members functioning for my edification, for my good, that mm. can remind me and call me out when I start complaining as Moses did to the Israelites, as God did to the Israelites in the desert and, and joy that there is forgiveness. And when, when we repent, he is faithful to forgive. So mm. take joy in those circumstances through yeah. the means of gospel community, which bolsters our faith. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's excellent. I, I realized I, I started a thought and never finished it, which I probably often do, but you know, that, that first distinction, is this actually an affliction or am I just being dramatic yeah. and just need to toughen up? Like this is just kind of life. And I, rather than sitting here crying about it, need to 
just face it. Right. Um, but, but when it is actually an affliction and it is a, you know, I would call it a grievous thing, the kind of thing that grieves us because it's life in a fallen world and there's sin or there's death or there's some, some challenge. Mm. Um, then the question is, how am I going to express that? Mm. So, so this is actually an affliction. I am suffering. Uh, am I expressing that in faith or like we spent a lot of time talking about, or in unbelief, um, doubting God. And when you go back to the garden, the serpent asked Eve, did God really say, you know, there's a way of always questioning and doubting God. Um, and, and then there's a way of asking from a place of faith, asking questions, God, I do trust you. I don't know what you're doing. Mm. I don't see clearly how you're going to use this for my good, but I trust that you are help me in the meantime. So questions like our, our grief can come can be an expression of faith or unbelief. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it all comes down to. So excellent. hope that's helpful. There are tons of resources. I, th- I think we said this uh, on another recording recently. Um, there, there's just, it seems to me like there's so much more that could be said here. And so I would just leave that invitation open. If, if you are going through some affliction, if you are suffering, if you're grieving something, mm-hmm. um, reach out for pastoral care, for counseling, yeah. um, we'd love to walk with you through that process of just unpacking all of the rich resources in scripture, the promises of God, the realities of God's character and his goodness and his sovereignty. And those things that help us actually live out commands like James one, count it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, since you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So want God's word to have its effect on us in the midst of our, our trials for his glory and our, our joy. Yeah. We want to be, Doers of the word, not hearers That's only. Right. And that this is a good place to to do that. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you for the listener for such a great question. Yes. And keep them coming. We're That's right. Our aim is to address these more regularly and um, because this is the church that we love so much. We wanna we wanna be helpful. So till next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.